Welcome to AI Unboxed, your portal to the pulsing heart of innovation. I'm Andrew Monnier, and together, we're stepping beyond the digital frontier to explore the wonders and intricacies of artificial intelligence. Each episode is an invitation to thinkers, doers, and dreamers, pushing the envelope and redefining the possible. So settle in and let's embark on this journey. This is AI Unboxed, where your untapped potential meets the minds that dare to unlock it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of AI Unboxed. Today's guest is Liam Lawson. He has been in tech for over half a decade and is currently the editor-in-chief of AI Tool Report. Now, if you're in the AI space, you've probably heard of AI Tool Report. If you haven't, I'm not sure if you're like hiding under a rock or something like that, but it is one of the largest, if not the largest, AI newsletters out there. With over 490,000 subscribers, they're continuing to expand their footprint and build additional products and services like AI accreditations, a job board, a tool database. You know, they are literally building the homepage for AI. It's so great to have you here on the show, Liam. How's it going? It's going amazing. I don't know if I could come up with a, a better introduction myself, honestly. I think you've you've nailed it on the head there. That was perfect. Okay, great, great, great. Well, then if there's nothing else on the introductions, then I'll go ahead and just like dive into the, the, the first question that I have here. And it's, you know, what attracted you to the intersection of, and there's a couple of things here, right? So you're not just like an AI, but the intersection of tech, newsletters, which is its own thing, and AI. Yeah, I mean, there's a combination of things in my history and what I've worked in and that kind of attracted me to it. Um, so for a long time, I was writing online um, personal articles on Medium, kind of trying to get into the industry, doing a bit of copyright here and there. And so that's always appealed to me massively. And then um, I've been in tech for a long time as well. So around half a decade, um, worked in cryptocurrency as a consultant for a while, um, graduated with like a marketing and enterprise degree. Um, so always been interested in that side of things. And then when ChatGPT was released around two years ago, and then all these different tools started to come out, I started to play with them of my own accord. Um, and at the time, I started uh, a newsletter of myself exploring specifically the intersection of AI and startups, um, because those are two of like my massive interest, AI being one of the new ones and startups being a lifelong one for me. Um, and through that, I found um, my boss and the founder of AI Tool Report, Martin, and um, we connected from there. And then the rest is history, I guess. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool, man. Um, and now you have your finger on the pulse. I mean, you're the, the editor in chief of AI Tool Report. It's all things, you know, AI. Uh, it, it's a hard question because I, I just want to like massively ask, like, how is AI revolutionizing the industry? You know, because you're looking at a lot of industries, but like if we narrow down a little bit on like the tech space, you know, how would you say, or even, even just newsletter, because that I'm, I'm very interested in newsletters and how, you know, that's developed and built out like that. So it's open, but how would you say that AI is revolutionizing, you know, tech and maybe even a second question there, but like the newsletter industry specifically? Mm. I think we'll start with tech. So if we look at last year, last year has been kind of coined as the year of AI. And it's one of the first years that AI companies themselves or tech companies have actually outspent VCs in terms of investing in AI. Um, so the amount of like investment and funding that's actually went into that has been huge. 
And then, again, finger on the pulse, something we're covering this week, and it's starting as of tomorrow is CES 2024. Um, And there's already announcements coming out about that. So LG, for example, um, they are introducing an entire ecosystem where it's in your house and your car and everything else. And they're trying to, NVIDIA is trying to bring AI into your personal computers and your smartphones. Samsung's bringing out um, AI in their S24 range. So it's one of those things that's revolutionizing every single aspect. And I think right now what we're seeing is AI becoming more useful and more intuitive. So when it was first released, you had to be good at knowing how to prompt ChatGPT, for example. And you still need to know how to do that. You need to know how to ask it questions in the right way. Um, But now we're trying to see these companies bring it to the masses. And the secret or the key to that is intuition. In terms of newsletters themselves, um, I wasn't in the industry before that. I think it's it's an odd way. It's an odd... It's an odd thing because it it lowers that barrier to entry of producing a newsletter, right? Because you can use AI to structure some of your research to take these massive documents and PDFs and simplify them into terms that myself and yourself can understand. Um, So I'd say it lowers that barrier to entry and makes the process of writing a newsletter easier. Um, With that, you're going to get a lot of people producing newsletters themselves we can see that with the growth of beehive and um, but i think the thing that separates a good newsletter from a bad newsletter is that touch of humanity that touch human um that person's personality and um, and i'd say something we're particularly good at is drawing together threads that are maybe weeks or months apart so say for example we cover um a release from amd and they're releasing a new chip we can draw that back through our own memory to a story from two weeks ago or a month ago about NVIDIA and how that competition relates to each other. And that's not something that AI is too good at yet. So, um, yep, AI lowers that barrier to entry, but there's still that gap and that's that's based on human, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really, really good point. And it's applicable not just in the newsletter space, but in the larger tech space as well, right? people have this concept uh, that, you know, the machines are taking over the world and they're they're like coming out there and that AI is going to be able to like do everything. But the thing is, AI can only do, and the language learning models and the models and neural networks and everything that are built behind them can only do so much. It's still a tool, right? So it's learning from everything. And then it can start going down weird rabbit holes if you go to like specific like language learning models, not necessarily like things that are physically going inside of, you know, wearables and things like that. But if you're prompting something and you start giving it weird prompts and it starts remembering those historical things, it just can turn out worse than what it would have come up with at the very, very beginning. So you might get a really, really bad output there. So it still has to be very like human led and like that intuition there. And you use the the language learning model as a tool to help you with like coming up with ideas, creativity to simplify things. Like you said, like break down this context and simplify it. But even some of the the models now, when you say simplify it, sometimes it gets too oversimplified. It's like you miss like everything that I that I put out there. So you have to have that human editorial, you know, uh, aspect built into it. And so, like you said, there might be a lot of newsletters that are popping up, but how long are people going to sit there and read them when it's like, well, th- this isn't really that innovative. This isn't really telling me anything. 
that I, I maybe didn't already know. Yeah, you're curating it, but you're not curating it the proper way. So it, it's really, really interesting to see that barrier and, and there'll be that explosion and then it'll it'll like simmer down, I'd say, to the true, you know, I, I don't know, the, the, the people that are truly dedicated to this space and jumping in like AI tool report. I, th- I think it's going to be consolidation both in terms of newsletters and in terms of AI companies too. It's going to be a year of consolidation. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's also hard work, right? So if you're putting out a good newsletter and you're doing it like even once a week, I know, I know you guys send it out like almost like every day, uh, if, if not every day, that's a lot of work to go out there and just like find the material to come up things. So even if you're using an AI to help you on that back end, uh, it still takes a good chunk of time. And that commitment factor, we all know, you know, that's the 1%, right? It's the 1% that actually stays with it. The, the overnight, uh, you know, success story that took 10 years to get there. So there's only going to be a few people that actually stick with it and everything. So really, really, really good points, man. I mean, I, th- I think that's one thing as well. You we were saying about how it's a little bit more difficult than what it seems in the surface. And I think one part of that is to be really in terms of having your finger on the pulse and then presenting that to your audience you need to be as up to date as possible and for example ourselves and other big players in the space the rundown superhuman we all release between around 7 and 8 a.m which means if you want to have the most up-to-date content you need to be up at 6 a.m to make sure you've got that content ready for that morning as well so it's it's definitely a commitment absolutely um could you maybe share a real world example of maybe like a traditional process that you've seen that has been improved, you know, by AI? A real world example? I was, <laughs> honestly, it, it seems, um, I, don't, I don't know the word for it, but Exemplary has actually been great in terms of improving my process for things. So for example, um, when I was on calls before with people, um, whether that was on a sales call or meeting calls for this i would either write down manually notes in my laptop or on a journal there for me and but exemplary coming into those meetings for me and then having action items at the end um has actually been a great factor so i just say that in terms of like having a personal assistant that's usually a physical person that's there and but yeah it's just kind of streamlined that for us and um i've said this to you and i say this to a lot of people there's a thousand ai tools out there and we might only use on a day-to-day basis four or five and exemplary is kind of one of them for us awesome awesome well just letting everybody know i did not pay for that place he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i am very biased to zimbly i love zimbly and it's, it's really really great to hear that you know it it, it does and then i could spend a lot of time uh talking about how it's helping and it takes you know, real world things like you were talking about, uh, like meeting, meeting notes, scheduling all these things off, off the plate. But I think you did a great job there. So I'm not going to, you know, harp on that too much. Appreciate it, man. That's awesome. Of course. Um, let's, let's look at like some additional real world applications, you know, could you maybe describe, you know, an interesting AI application? And I guess I'm going to have to push it aside. Zimbly, you know, we've already talked about that, but, uh, an interesting AI application that you maybe recently like worked on or used, or maybe even just like talked about in the newsletter. How well, what, would you be able to define real world, real world for me? Do you mean a physical, tangible object? And do you mean a process? 
Yeah, great question. So it could be either. So just real world as in we're, we're using it here in, in, in on tech, uh, maybe in physical life, just something that is interesting uh, from an AI standpoint. Yeah, I mean, this may be a bit of a cop-out answer and it's just a personal thing to me, but Google Assistant I've found to be incredibly useful. Um, and I know that they're beginning to actually, or they're talking about maybe integrating ChatGPT on Android devices um, or upgrading Google Assistant with um, Bard or Gemini Pro um, on the, the new Google Pixel model. So that's just something I began to use more and more. Uh, if I'm listening to a song on Spotify, I might say, hey, Google, like this song on my Spotify playlist, I can save it for later. So just utilizing those voice commands to make my life a bit easier um, is something that I used to think was a little gimmicky, um, but I now actually kind of use on a day-to-day basis. So I would probably be my... I'm just kind of relating to myself the most. That's probably something that I use in my personal life the most in terms of usable AI. For sure, for sure. I, I remember when like voice commands and prompts were just coming out and it, it was the thing. I was like, no, you know, I, even though I'm in the tech, I'm in tech, I, I don't really want to deal with it. That that sounds like you said, like gimmicky. But then my, my uh, mother-in-law, I think it was like a few years after the tech had come out and everything, got me like an Echo, you know, dot for, for uh, Christmas. And I'm like, okay, fine. You know, I'm going to plug it in. I'm going to check it out and try it. And I said, okay, play music. And it played some classical song. And I just had this light bulb moment because I'd never done that before. And it's just like, wow, you know, this is, this was actually really cool. And of course it had this like crescendo. I, I don't know if it was like Debussy or something like that playing. And I was just like, this is a moment, you know, this is really, really cool. Uh, I mean, it's progressed a lot since then, and now everybody's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But it, it does still have some great functionality. 100%. 100%. More useful than I thought it would be, um, and it's only going to get better from here, which is exciting. Yeah. Um, now, specifically to you, and, and maybe within the realm of AI tool report, or maybe you're working on like your own project, is there an AI-assisted application or something that you've recently been working on? AI-assisted application? in terms of us developing a SaaS product that's got um, AI included within it. Yeah, that or or something else, you know, similar that has some sort of AI functionality. Yeah, I mean, one thing we are developing is a job board, which is set to release um, next month, the start of February. Um, and it's going to kind of be released as a beta to get people on board, let them kind of try and play about with it. Um, and the way we want to approach it is just have everyone kind of give us feedback from that. We want to integrate integrate um, AI features within that. I think, as I said before, there's lots of different AI companies that do different things, right? So you might get one that does um, AI resumes and CVs. You might get one that helps you with writing a cover letter. You might get one that helps you scour a job board. Um, our kind of plan with integrating AI within that is to have the entire job board on both the client and um, the employer side of things um, and have AI integrated throughout that entire process. So an employer can go out and streamline that process. Um, you can go out and get help with your CV. You can automatically rule out a lot of applications. You can get tips on how to write um, a better CV or a better cover letter. Um, so yeah, that, that's our kind of plan is to have it holistically included. It's, it's going to take a while because we're going to be building everything on user feedback. Um, but that is the plan for the future. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I can see that being extremely useful. I mean, especially when, you know, every other week in tech, 
you know, you, you see this company shuttered or this company just laid off this, you know, huge percentage of people. So job boards, uh, especially in this like up and coming space are vital, I think, to helping get people like back on their feet really quickly. Um, what, what would you say were some of the challenges? And I know you're still working through it and building it up, but some of the challenges of bringing that job board to life. Yeah, I mean, luckily we've got um, a great developer team. So shout out Powerhouse um, and Michael at Powerhouse. I'd love to put a link in somewhere. They are an awesome team of developers to help us um, work on it. But I think for us is just to make everything as intuitive as possible. Like I'm one of those people... I wouldn't call myself as particularly smart. Um, I could love hopping onto a call and be like, okay, I'm kind of dumb. Explain this to me in simple terms. Um, so my idea of building product products is like make them as easy and as intuitive as possible. So it's going into the minutia of that job board and being like, okay, what are these tiny little things that maybe you wouldn't notice on a first glance, but are going to make every step easier for every person that accesses this. So um, as figuring out what they are and then being able to implement that to our team, which are, who are amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I'd actually push back and say that that's very, very smart. You know, that's very smart to, you're thinking about the user, you're starting without building too many technical, you know, bells and whistles in there that's going to confuse them. And they, when you, when you do that and, and, you know, I know developers and I love them to death, but sometimes they want to put everything in there. They're like, no, it's not ready to ship. I want to do this. Oh, and this is another great idea. And this is another great idea. So something that should have shipped, you know, in Q1 doesn't ship until Q4. And it has all these additional things and functionalities in there. And so when the user jumps on it, they're like, I, I don't know what to do. You know, like, where, where do I click? I'm sure there's all these things, but I don't want to be like a sales force and spend six plus months trying to figure out how to create a dashboard or to get ramped up on there. So I think that's a very, very smart approach and something that sometimes the like, you know, move fast and break things, you know, motto could, could, you know, be helpful here. So definitely, definitely. Um, now looking at AI, you know, as a whole and whatever use case you want to like jump into it, uh, you know, what ethical considerations do you think are essential in, you know, AI work? And maybe your AI work, you know? I mean, we could go into so many different rabbit holes and that's like, I'll start, I'll start from, from our one, like, for example, like us as a newsletter, we're covering massive developments and they're happening every single day. So for us, in terms of like, if we use, for example, we use AI in our process to simplify large documents, but we need to then go through and proofread them and make sure there's no bias included, make sure it's um, correct factual information. Um, so using AI in that process, like it kind of exposes you to those things because it can hallucinate sometimes. Um, especially, I don't know if you used Bard in the past, but it was beyond the useless with hallucinating. It would just make up information out of thin air. Um, so that's, I would say from like our perspective there, we could hop into the complete opposite side of the pool and go into the nature of reality and consciousness and the possibility of AGI and should we have breaks on this and who should be overseeing it. Um, which, if we've been keeping up with the news, um, we had the whole fiasco with Sam Altman um, last month that has firing and there was all these theories coming about about Project QSTAR, which was supposedly this underground um, development and they'd secretly achieved AGI. So... 
it's yeah there's a lot of concerns and it's going to be whether we have the right unbiased unincentivized regulatory boards and being able to actually oversee the development of ai so uh, the ethical concerns moves into every single space anyone that's building with ai anyone that's involved with ai there's ethical ethical concerns somewhat Mm, for sure for sure I think just for our listeners to make sure you know they're they're aware of some of the terminology. Uh, would you mind like explaining a little bit about what AGI is? Artificial general intelligence is the concept that it will become sentient somewhat and be able to make its own decisions um, out with human input. So at that point, we would no longer be in complete control of artificial intelligence because we'd achieved AGI. Yeah. And I wonder, like, is that a bad thing? I mean, is is that what we're kind of trying to build to? And I'm sure they're, they'll, they'll well, I, I wonder if we should make it better than humans. Uh, I don't want to go down that route because there's just like so many things that if you actually use decision matrices and everything, it's like, human is not logical. You know, uh, Dan Ariely wrote the entire book, you know, Predictably Irrational. And in that it's showing from like a behavioral economist perspective, we don't make the right decisions. You know, the data shows us we should do this, but we typically don't because we're very emotionally driven. So having an AI that is, you know, makes really logical decisions. I just wonder if it's good or bad to have like the emotional aspect built into there. And I guess that's, that's a whole, like whole nother rabbit hole. Yeah. It's a whole kind of worms. Honestly, you ever see the movie, um, I robot with Will Smith. Oh, of course, of course. We just yeah. we just don't want to end up in that situation where we've got Will Smith having to save the world for us again. Yeah, yeah. The Matrix, right? Even back before that, you know, taking taking care of everything. So we just I, I guess it really depends on the incentives that we align and build into the AI, right? It's like it depends on what our goal is as uh as the human race. Like do we wanna become an interplanetary species as the goal to survive? Because if the goal was just survival and we just programmed that into an AI, I think they would destroy all of humanity and then just go on their own little roads. If that if that was generally the goal to last for as long as possible, humanity would be a hindrance to that. This is going down a path that I think is super interesting and could be very, very philosophical. Uh, but I'm going I'm to reel us back a little bit. Uh, Probably a good into, idea. Yeah, yeah. Into, but it's another question on ethical consideration, but have you faced, you know, a specific ethical dilemma, uh, maybe linked to AI that you know you could share? I I would probably just go back to writing a newsletter daily. Like that's been my life, and um, for the past nine months, so it's just not. I the bias. I'll probably go into a little bit more. And um, they they found in the past that like certain certain AI models would lean in certain political directions. So you might get ones that lean more left based on the training data, ones that might lean more right on the training data. And so it's trying to remain unbiased and provide um, a holistic overview of the space and without taking on um, whatever you're being fed from that. So um, I'd say that's the kind of biggest ethical concern that we face on a a day-to-day basis is not to... um, Struggling for the words here, but not to take on that bias and then present it to readers. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Uh, and, and I think that's something just from like a journalistic standpoint, right? You're always trying to be 
as every news station ever publishes, like we're we're fair and biased right down the middle. So and, and like, yeah, usually they aren't. So it's it's great to see that aspect, you know, being built into here and also like looking at the AI stuff because it was programmed by humans. And then there we innately have biases built into us. And so sometimes that gets unfortunately like put in the code base. And so as it builds on top of each other using the innate biases that we have, it just gets that it becomes the output that gets, you know, thrown out there. So I think having that human aspect, even though we have the bias again, having that human by, uh, you know, perspective on there helps reel it back a little bit. So super, super important. Um, what would you say is a groundbreaking, but maybe underutilized AI tech in just in general? Assembly. Assembly. Okay. Assembly. <laughs> okay. I'll take that one. I, That's a good one. I wouldn't, I wouldn't see exemplary definitely. Like I think people don't realize that how intuitive it actually is. As I said before, a million AI tools out there, people will only use four or five. Um, exemplary is one of those ones that kind of fit into my workflow um, really simply. And um, so, yeah, everyone uses ChatGPT. Um, I'm sure there's a few other tools out that that people use, but um, yeah, exemplary's been great for that. I don't. I wouldn't say underutilized, but I would say that people. I'm taking this in a little bit of a different direction. Maybe people just don't know about the developments that are happening, but one of the things that excites me most is the intersection of AI and kind of medicine and medtech as well. There's so many developments happening with like massive foundations, uh, Bill, and Ga- uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, um, Google have got an entire division dedicated to it, um, and there's just there's so much happening right there right now. And they're discovering new molecules, they're discovering cures to different diseases, and I'm just really excited to see where that goes in the next decade. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, when you have these models that can process so much so quickly, when even if you have the best experts in the world, you know, you just can't human you know, cognitively, you know, comprehend all that. Building this into you know our medical profession is something that really you know is going to change our lives in the future. I hope. Hopefully we have more, you know, centenarians than ever before. You know, that'd be, that'd be great. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, flipping it a little bit, uh, where would you say AI maybe falls short in your field? Or, you know, if, if there is a specific thing, how do you overcome those limitations? I mean, I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but it's just, it's the intuition. Um, I think people assume that AI can do everything and it just can't. Um, right now it's not at that level um, and people shouldn't shouldn't be too scared of AI right now in terms of it taking like their creative roles because it's not good enough for that um, our ability, our innate ability as human to draw threads together that are um, fluidly floating about our heads is something that's is very human right now um, so yeah, being able to draw those connections is great So now if we if we take a bit of a like a future outlook, you know, uh, maybe the next and I mean, things are moving so quickly, but, you know, maybe the next three, five years, maybe longer, you know, however you want to go about it. But what would you say are emerging AI trends that you're maybe most excited about? I'm excited about AI wearables and see where they go. I think that's become we've seen Humane come out with their AI pin um, last year. We're going to see it integrated more watches, more PCs more smartphones and so people try to bring this like mass consumer technology 
So I'm excited to see where that goes um, in terms of our kind of wearables and stuff and, and what people end up using it for. I've never, have you ever seen anyone wear the AI pen in real life? I have not, no. No, me neither. I'm not sure if it's just a thing in the US because obviously they've done a big release there. You need to be specifically in Los Angeles or San Fran to be able to see people walking around with them. But yeah, I'd say AI wearables, I'm really excited to just see how that unfolds and see whether it actually kicks on with people um, or people just like, see it as a gimmick kind of like how people saw the the echo hub and stuff as a gimmick at the start but eventually caught on and i'm really i'm really curious to see how that plays out oh for sure for sure i mean there was you know the the term you know internet of things that was everywhere for a while you know that's like if you're not an internet of things you're you're not even doing it right you need to figure out you know what's coming out next and that term I, i'm sure it's still floating there but it's really like died down it's like it's just wearables right it's wearables and how that's being incorporated in the tech behind it so figuring out what's coming next and like the the pin that you talked about and yeah it, it, there's just going to be so many things that you're going to walk around is no longer just going to be this thing on the internet and you know floating in the ether it's really in front of you you know and yeah. it's showing up uh it's not really a wearable, but like Tesla and its robot, right? That oh, yeah. I know it keeps going through evolutions, but that thing is just getting better and better with every new release. It's it's mind blowing. Yeah, I mean, yesterday, I think it was yesterday, the day before, and um, Brett Adcock, um, I forget what company he's from, but they released a video of their AI ro- uh, AI robot um, making a cup of coffee. Figure that's what the the company's called. Um, so they released a video on Twitter. I'm sure we can put this in the show notes as well. Um, of their robot coming in and making a cup of coffee. And they're a startup that's existed for like, I think 18 months. It's either eight or 18 months. So like super new, but they've already got like fully human looking robots running around um, making making cups of coffee. So I think that's a good thing you touched on there actually is like, as they become more human and like indistinguishable from humans, especially how inter-human and robot or humanoid AI relationships will develop. I think we'll generally see that within the next like decade or two that um, those relationships will be 10-20% of the population will be human and AI. It's interesting. It's super interesting. I mean, I'm thinking, of course, the old school movie, The Jetsons, right? Uh, and you already have the robot floating around and all the other movies and everything, but it's really amazing. We're living in the future now, you know, and everything that's happening here. So being in the place that we are in the space that we are and seeing how things are, you know, transitioning, it's just an, an exciting time to to be here. Um, speaking of that, you know, relationship, you know, how do you see, you know, that the relationship between AI and human expertise maybe evolving, you know, over the next few years? I'd love if there was a way to customize and the newsletter more to individuals so for example if we could have an AI integrated in there somewhere and um, someone could kind of set the preferences um, and the AI could filter that newsletter through for that person um, and kind of present so say for example we have the news stories first and then we have our trending tools and then we have the prompt engineering um, and so on and say for example the AI could reorder that based on the individual have a conversation with them about the newsletter. Oh, I don't understand this term or this paragraph here. I'd like to have more context on this. And the AI could go in and search the web. 
Um, I'd love to see more like personalization and customization. Um, I'm not sure how possible that is or how long that's going to take, especially because you have to you have to work with email at this level, which is if you've ever worked with email lists and all the settings on that, it's inconceivably mundane and old and complex. Um, so whether AI can integrate with that and provide people with individual customer experiences, I'm not sure, but that is something that I'd love to see. Yeah, yeah, that that just opened up so many, you know, possibilities and thoughts, you know, in my head. I mean, that's truly moving like from a marketer standpoint to that real one-to-one personalization. The 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 messaging that every marketing tool has been saying for the past decade, whatever, that oh, we can do one-to-one, you're really going to interact with them and it's like you jump into it and it's like it's still not that one-to-one. There's still like all these sequences and manual work and all this you have to do, but if you build the AI in there or there, there's like a tool that goes in there and understands every single person's, you know, interaction with that newsletter. Like what parts are they skimming? What parts are they looking at? And then reorders that every time, almost like an AV test, right? Reorders that every time to like what their user behavior is and then gives them that. And you like can determine they're going to read this. They're going to read this. They want more content of this and then scrapes it and really makes it, you know, tailored to that person. Uh, that would be freaking phenomenal. You also have to like consider, you know, like GDPR and like privacy things and jumping into there, all those. But having a tool that did that would be would be really, really cool. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see something like that, especially if it understood um, the context as well. Like if it had a, con- a large enough context would know to understand months and months of interactions and be able to bring personalized experience based on that. Um, I think it would really change the game. Absolutely. Um, now, this is in an ideal state, uh, but if it could plug into other platforms, you know, for like a digital body language, you know, mapping to figure out, okay, just like paid ads does and everything like that. You see them on LinkedIn, they interact with this stuff and all that, and you get all that rich data, but you don't have to sit there and filter it as, you know, manually. You can get the recommendations set out to you as opposed to, well, this is cool. They interacted with all this stuff. What do I do with this? Maybe I should like switch this. It's like, no, it actually gives you the insight and recommendations and can handle that. That would be, that would be like next level phenomenal. Uh, you know, what's a lesson that you've learned in your, you know, career that you wish maybe you knew earlier? I'd say, I mean, this might not, pertain to everyone but my experience with working for people in the past um i had a job and um, with a coffee roaster in glasgow for a while worked for a cryptocurrency um company um worked in kind of different places in australia um, and i'd always had bosses that never let me run with things they never let me kind of go off on my own intuition, follow my nose, find projects, grow them, monetize them, stuff like that. And at a certain point, I started believing that um, maybe like I wasn't going to achieve the things I want to achieve or like I wasn't capable of them. And I came into this position, I met Martin, we established a good relationship. And the way that he likes to work and I like to work is that he gave me the ability to just be an individual and go after things and go and do it. I'd say don't judge all those past experiences um, based on based on what they were. There's always going to be someone out there that kind of gels with you the most and works with you the most. So um, 
don't cast that shadow on the kind of future opportunities well like there is something out there that's perfect for your skill set and you just need to go and find that and then another thing i just like to add on is that i think in terms of finding the right people um or applying to the right jobs i'd say go obscure with it i spent a long time applying to jobs through um like traditional like linkedin um or just sending them a message on that like in a bare minimum um and the way i got in this current role was through finding martin on twitter and then sending him kind of a, a resume of my work of my own newsletter of the podcast i was running as well so be a little bit obscure with it be a little bit different and um, because people appreciate when you've got that ambition you're kind of willing to show it oh 100 100 great great advice um if if we if we move into maybe you know recommendations you know for people that are interested in AI you know to read, of course AI tool report. But are there any other you know maybe go to, I don't know maybe not newsletters but like books resources videos that you would you know recommend? Look, we'll go into the other newsletters as well. Like the rundown and Super Human are great. They're two of our, our kind of biggest, two of the other biggest MEI newsletters in the space, and they're awesome. Um, both Ryan and Zane do great coverage um, of what of what they're doing. I'd say the best way to get like a contextual understanding of what's happening in the space is just immerse yourself through LinkedIn, through Twitter, follow a bunch of people. Anytime you see a term you don't understand. Google that, watch a YouTube video on it. Just like follow your curiosity. Um, and with that, you will find uh, an aspect of AI that interests you the most. It might be writing with AI. It might be building models with AI. It could be anything, but follow your kind of curiosity and just like people underestimate the the power of constantly being in that space. Like if you're checking your phone or your laptop for an hour a day of just like what's happening in AI, who are the main players, who are the characters, and um, who are the companies, what are they building? That stuff just floats into your head. You don't even need to actively learn. So I'd say passively learn first of all. And then once you've found that kind of aspect of AI that interests you most, at that point, have a look for YouTube videos, have a look for um, courses on Coursera or whatever else, um, and look for those kind of more fine-tuned um, educational resources after that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I, I love that. Um, follow your curiosity. I think that's that's brilliantly phrased and it makes sense, right? Uh, you find the things that you're passionate about. You're you're passively ingesting the information, but certain things just ring in your head. Like I really want to learn that. I really want to know more. And so you just you keep following that. And and whenever you're learning something that you want to learn and you're interested in, it's it's not work, right? It's something that is fun and it's making you a better person and you're enjoying your life more by ingesting this knowledge. So follow your curiosity. I'm 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 gonna share that with my team, you know, because I I love that. Um what would you say is the like shifting gears a little bit, what would you say is the moonshot project or future for it could be you or if you're thinking like AI tool report, which I know you're like deep in what would you say the moonshot is for him moonshot for us become the homepage for ai like um for us we are trying to build the best most intuitive ecosystem we want to be able to cover media so you get all your resources from us and we want to be able to help you apply to jobs to get into the industry 
Um, we're building accreditations, which we're releasing in early March that we can talk about um, to get people trained up on how to use AI. Just anytime someone thinks about AI, we want them to think of us and we want to be able to provide like the best free resources for them to use. Um, we're also working on, obviously, the GPT stores releasing very soon. And we're working on our kind of like own AI SaaS projects as well to, to help you simplify things. Um, I can't reveal too much on that right now, but um, that'll come out very soon. So just give you all of the tools that you need to learn, to use, to utilize, to grow and to become employed or to work in AI. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. And I think one of the biggest things there that you mentioned on is most of this is free. You know, I, I know that you have a community and people pay, you know, to a, a small amount, you know, to get to be part of that, but they get all this added value there. But the, the vast majority of the information that you're aggregating, that you're writing, that you're leading in is completely free for people to, to look at, which is like, it's insane. I mean, because you could be charging, you know, hundreds, thousands of dollars for some of these courses, these accreditations, which are, which are out there. So it's, it's, it's awesome, man. It's awesome what you guys are putting out. Another thing I put in there, I know we're on a podcast just now, but Arturo and our creative director just recently launched their own podcast as well. So we've got the first two episodes out on Spotify. So again, with building that ecosystem, whether it's maybe we'll produce YouTube videos in the future, and um, we've obviously got the socials, we've got the newsletter, we've now got audio. So um, and all those different touch points. So whatever your kind of preferred method of learning, like we have a resource for you. Absolutely. And what's the, what's the podcast show name? So it's AI Tool Report Live. Um, so you just type that into Spotify, that'll come up. Awesome, awesome. Well, it's it's really been, you know, a pleasure having you on the show. How can our listeners follow, you know, you, your work? Yeah, I mean, first things first, I'd say go to the newsletter itself. So we're on LinkedIn um, and then we use use the the website through Beehive. So it's just aitoolreport.beehive.com. Um, in terms of myself, I'm on LinkedIn just under Liam Lawson. If you type in Liam Lawson, yeah, I tell report not to be confused with. There is a slightly more famous Liam Lawson. He's a, I think he's a 21 year old um, F1 driver from New Zealand. So anytime you type, I type in my name, I get this rather handsome blonde man also that just appears before myself. So, um, I've got some work to do to rank above him, but um. Yeah, you can find us on LinkedIn at Liam Lawson AI Tool Report. Awesome, awesome. I love that. Uh, before we close out the show, are there any final words or any like words of wisdom that you want to share? Words of wisdom? Um, I would just say, I spoke to a lot of people, so I'm, I'm traveling and kind of doing the, the digital nomad thing, and I speak to a lot of people that are um, wanting to get their kind of first job or looking for their their first project trying to get into role and the thing that i say to everyone is just start something of your own doesn't matter what it is start a podcast and start writing online and start producing content for free message your favorite influencers and be like i'd love to produce some graphics for you start an instagram on poetry and start writing and things on pieces of paper sellotaping them to random posts taking pictures of them putting on instagram like it doesn't matter what it is start some sort of project of your own that you care about and you will be perplexed at the amount of opportunities that leads to right right great great definitely words of wisdom get out there you know make it happen do something be a creator 
Uh, but that's also like a huge differentiator because people just a lot of times don't stick to it. I know we talked about that earlier, but it's if you are, find something you're passionate about and you put it out there, just stick with it. That becomes a huge selling point because brands are hiring people that have their own brands, you know, that are doing creative, cool stuff because that adds to their own voice without them seeming like this huge corporate, no identity, you know, organization. It's like the people behind these organizations is what's really making it. So awesome. Can I ask one question just yeah. before we hop on? Of the guests so far, of different people working with an AI, is there any threads that you've noticed between the individuals that you've hosted here? I think there's actually been a lot of overlap between, you know, Hannah Recker, who was talking about building kind of like the content machine that they have at Coefficient. And I mean, of course, the newsletter that you're working with, there's a lot of that. You know, they, they tap into AI as a resource, but it has to be human led. I think that that was like a really big point that she made. And their entire strategy is really the human led content creation model with AI as kind of like the assistant to help with a lot of like the back end and scalable processes. And then whenever I talk to like Hillary Coover, um, so she's an expert in uh, like national security, working with, uh, you know, government contractors. It goes back to like some of the points that she made, you made, uh, Hannah made, and like other individuals I've talked to. It's that, and and she phrased it really, really well. You have to think of AI and like the different models that are out there and that you input the information on as if it was a uh, a web browser uh, and the, the way that you're working with it. So the information that you put in there it's not private. And those are her exact words, you know, whenever you're putting in information inside of, you know, ChatGPT, BARD, all these other things, that information is not truly private, you know, it's being gathered in the data there. So I know in recent models, they say, hey, don't put that person's phone number in there or their exact name. And there's like warnings now. But in the early days, it wasn't there because people thought, oh, I'm just typing, you know, it's it's just locally hosted, you know, whatever. Nobody's ever going to see it. But they're taking that. And even though they anonymize it, it's still being part of like the larger data set and models that they're that they're using. So you touched on that, too, with like hallucinations, with, you know, privacy concerns. I think that's the biggest thing is that we're trying to get out. And I think everybody is trying to make make known is. AI is not an LLM models, you know, everything behind a machine learning. It's been around for a, a while, you know. I mean, our, our founder at, at Zimbly, you know, he started MarchX uh, and that was, you know, 10 plus years ago. And that was using, you know, their own proprietary models there to, to understand conversational AI, you know. And so with that, it's things are, are, are getting better and we're learning a lot you know, from it and we can use it because it's more publicly available than it used to be or publicly accessible. But there's still those concerns around privacy that you have to, to, you know, know there's still human led efforts that have to be on top of these, because if you just let it run wild, those hallucinations, those like privacy concerns, just, you know, they, they can run rampant. So I think that's, that's a core theme that I'm noticing. And I also ask everybody about ethical concerns. So it pops up into here intentionally. Uh, but I think that's the biggest thing that that I've been hearing. Awesome. Awesome. That's a good insight. Cool. Cool. Well, again, you know, I really, really appreciate your time, Liam. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, it was great having you on the show. We'll talk to you later. Thank you for having me. See ya. You've just listened to AI Unboxed. 
To hear more stories about the future of AI, subscribe to AI Unboxed on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm Andrew Monnier. Until next time. Thank you.